Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. For those that have been living under a rock for the past year, the Buccaneers were pretty damn spectacular last year. Not much of an issue going on at all for the third-ranked scoring offense, eighth-ranked scoring defense that, you know, rose to the occasion better than literally anyone ever has against Patrick Mahomes and the freaking Super Bowl. But the one quote-unquote problem for this team last year was the backfield usage. Not that they didn't get an efficient running game. Leonard Fournette should be pretty and called Lombardi letting the rest of his career for the performances he had in the playoffs. Yeah, some of it was usage, but that run he had against the Packers where he broke, you know, three, four tackles, six spin on his way to the end zone. He played like the former, like you would expect the former number four overall pick to play. Got it. Got to tip your hat to him for that. And Ronald Jones, before he got banged up at the end of the year, he was looking like one of the better ball carriers by God, not one of the better receivers, but just players with the ball in their hands, you know, I don't want to say one of the better ones at the position, but he was pretty damn good. Like he was making stuff happen when he got handoffs, but it just wasn't a situation that we could consistently get a wrap on in fantasy land. And if there's anything that fantasy football managers hate, it's when we don't know who's going to be getting the ball week to week. So focusing on what I was just saying about Rojo being the better running back with the ball in his hands, it's really, in my opinion, not up for debate. Again, all due respect to, for Fournette for what he did in the playoffs. We'll include the playoffs in our, you know, stats I'm about to list. He just doesn't really hold a candle to what Rojo was able to do last year. In terms of PFF rushing grade, Leonard Fournette was 34th among 48 RBs with at least 100 carries, including the playoffs. Rojo was 11th. Missed tackles forced per attempt. Fournette was 34th. Rojo was 27th. Yards per carry, Fournette was tied for 35th. Rojo was 10th. Yards after contact per carry, Fournette was tied for 31st. Rojo was 6th. So, I mean, we're looking at a guy that was, again, by any metric you want to look at, better as a rusher, not so much as a receiver. PFF graded Rojo as the single worst receiver in the entire league. And the best way I can kind of sum this up for you by focusing on one play was when the Buccaneers were playing the Bears and Rojo leaks out, little angle route, and Brady throws him the ball, dives down, catches the ball. The ball never at any point hit the ground. Rojo rolls on into the end zone. Should have been a score. Refs say no. That was incomplete. And Ronald Jones stands there like... Oh, damn. I dropped it. I guess like this, not even for a second. Like you see a wide receiver on the sidelines die for a ball that once you see on the camera is like laying on the ground for like a complete second and they'll jump up and yell at the coats to throw a challenge flag and they'll scream to the heavens that they caught it. Rojo actually did catch the ball and just seemed like, Oh, dropped it. I'm not, I'm not all that surprised, man. They overruled it, but for some reason they couldn't actually give him the touchdown. Evan scored the next play anyway. So whatever, but that tells you what you know about Ronald Jones's hand as great as the uh you know what was it may or june video we had last offseason of rojo catching passes from you know some trainer as great as his hands looked in there i think we have plenty of evidence at this point in the nfl that rojo is not the best uh, receiver and by not the best i mean maybe the worst single receiver at the running back position but again we can't take away what he was able to do on the ground had the big plays rolling for him i believe a 98 yard run 
came against the uh, Panthers and don't be taking that away. People. I say it all the time. If you're good enough to get uh, those yards to make that big play, we need to count it just like we do with the bad plays and they happen too. So Rojo is a better rusher than uh, Lenny. Lenny is the better receiver, but again, it's more so by default than anything, you know, going back to those uh, stats. If we look at Fournette among the 48 qualified backs, he was 29th in PFF receiving grade, 29th in yards per reception tied for 20th in yards per route run. So you can call Fournette an average receiver. And I, think that would be a little bit generous i mean just watch the dude play I and mean, you don't even need to go that deep into the stats i mean one of the easiest ways i thought to kind of tell what fantasy analysts were a little bit full of shit last year going to 2020 were those that were saying like Fournette was a great receiver. He caught 76 passes for 522 yards in 2019. That's why he was as productive as he was on that atrocious Jaguars offense. That doesn't mean you're a great receiver when you're just able to catch, you know, 76 of a hundred targets. Okay. Credit to him for doing it. I'm not saying he's horrendous, but just because you catch a lot of passes doesn't make you a great receiver. As we've seen over time, occasionally mediocre talents do get handed elite level workloads, even though they don't necessarily demand it. The problem is I think the Buccaneers have a little bit better uh, ammo to not really give him as many targets last year. Cause Rojo and Fournette, they combined for 89 targets a season ago. I don't see that happening this year with Giovanni Bernard in town and Keyshawn Vaughn entering his second year in the league. I say that with all due respect to CJ precise who happens to be on this Tampa Bay team uh, precise is someone where I, th- I firmly believe that for about 12 seconds in that Eagles Seahawks game, like four or five years ago when precise went like 80 yards. I think for those 12 seconds, he was the best running back on this planet. Just like Martavis Bryant was the best receiver on this planet uh, for like 15 seconds when he had that crazy touchdown against the Cardinals where he stiffied Tyron Matthew, but enough about CJ precise and uh, Martavis Bryant looking at Giovanni Bernard. I think he is going to be the receiver over Keyshawn. Why bring him in if you didn't plan on featuring him ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn? So Giovanni Bernard, we all know him for the mustache, but he's somehow only 29 years old. Now, remember, we've been clear about this. Raheem Moser is the youngest 29-year-old in the world. Giovanni Bernard very well could be the oldest, but he's just been solid, people. He has not missed a game since 2018, and he's been able to just go out there and do his thing. I mean, one of the biggest rants I think I had this past season was when Zach Taylor benched uh, Gio for losing his first fumble and I think what was like five or six years as a ball carrier. So I don't think he was necessarily treated all that right in his final year with the Bengals just realized he was still, you know, a more than solid back with what he was asked to do. I'm not saying Gio should be confused, you know, with Alvin Kamara or Austin Eckler or anything like that. Just realized he's caught at least 30 passes in every single season of his career. And I think he kind of possesses that sort of a, you know, nuanced level in the passing game as a blocker and all that, that will make Brady feel far more comfortable with him on the field than anyone else. Maybe I'm wrong. Keyshawn Vaughn's there too. It is year two for him. And it would make sense that Bruce Arians puts more on his plate. Again, though, I just don't right, really see the reasoning for bringing in Geo if they really wanted to feature Vaughn and give him more of a chance to do it. The good news for all these guys involved, this offense, once again, looks absolutely loaded. TB12 is back. His arm looks as good as ever it did all of last year. The only real issue for him was pressure. And he was actually one of the six or seven most sensitive quarterbacks to pressure last season in terms of his yards per attempt when kept clean versus when under pressure. Good news is Brady knows this. He gets the ball out faster than just about anyone. And because of that, the offensive line was still able to keep defenders off him by and large most of the year. They bring back everybody. Every single Super Bowl starter is back on this team. 
which is a testament to, you know, uh, GM, Jason uh, Lifts and everyone else involved with the organization. But this is PFF's fifth-ranked offensive line entering 2021. We got Brady, Evans, Goblin, AB. They're going to be putting up points all over the place. I mean, hell, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Dalen Darden's getting some love. OJ Howard's back. Gronk's back again. Cam Break, the most efficient red zone scorer in the freaking 21st century, is back. We got everywhere to go with the ball. And these running backs, at worst, will at least be playing involved in the top five scoring offense. So the one thing though, people that is not good is that Bruce Arians has already come out and told us that he's not here to please us fantasy football players. Specifically, Arians said this, let me get the date. Arians said this on June 15th. I'm recording this on June 30th. So two weeks ago, Arians said, I know fantasy doesn't like that, but those two guys, I mean, Rojo is one of the best runners I've been around. Lenny had that great run in the playoffs. He showed what they drafted him for in the top five. So we're blessed to have this group of backs with Keyshawn and Gio. It's a hell of a group. He wouldn't name a starting running back. He said, both those guys are starters in my mind. Whoever goes out first doesn't really matter to me, but that will be determined in and camp of all the positions, probably the one where those two guys will compete, but they're both going to play. They're so talented. And they bring so much to the table. Hopefully if they're both healthy, they are splitting time. Also said Keyshawn's made a nice move, but he has to be a better special teams player right now because of what's in front of him. But I have all the confidence in the world in him as a runner and receiver. And Gio has a nice added presence back there. So, you know, we'll see what's what, but I, don't, I just don't see the Keyshawn Vaughn breakout coming by any stretch of the imagination. It seems like we're looking more at what the Buccaneers were doing in 2019 when this was a miserable, even more miserable backfield to be a part of in fantasy land. That was when it was Rojo, Peyton Barber, and Darby Ogumba who I, his name, I, I, I can spell now. It's that's how annoying it was. I learned how to spell Ogumba Wale without even having to look it up. But with that team, I'm pulling up the snap counts right now. It was just horrific. It was, you know, what we want is one running back. And in 2019, Ronald Jones had 36% of the snaps. Dari had 32% of the snaps. And Peyton Parker had 30% of the snaps. Three backs, none of them over 40%. That's going to be a sheesh for me, ladies and mostly gentlemen. So it takes us to our PFF Lily stat. And it's that despite all this, you know, annoyance last year with not knowing he was going to be the guy, if we would have had, you know, our just I guess Nostradamus goggles on all year. It would have been good business to have these running backs because they produced 11 PPR RB two weeks. And that's just, you know, basing on who was the top performing player, but you look at it. I mean, in week one, it was Rojo RB 32. Then Lenny got an RB three performance. Rojo wins the next four weeks, RB 31, RB 14, RB 17, RB four. Then Lenny gets a three week stretch, RB 15, 26, 27. It goes Rojo, Lenny, Rojo, bye. Rojo, Lenny, Lenny, Rojo. So we, had no rhyme or reason to who was going to necessarily be the guy, but whoever was the guy we saw actually start to put up some serious fantasy numbers takes us to the rankings. I favor Ronald Jones over Leonard Fournette this year because it was before his, before his late season kind of injury woes, which consisted of COVID, a broken finger and a calf injury. It was the Rojo show more times than not. He had at least 15 combined carries and targets and eight of his 13 starts before landing on the COVID list. Fournette reached that threshold just four times the entire regular season. And again, we know Rojo is the worst receiver of the group. So with Giovanni Bernard coming in to be a potentially higher use pass down back, 
I think he hurts Fournette more than he hurts Rojo. So I have Rojo as my PPR RB 31. Fournette is the RB 32. Gio is my RB 49. Their ADPs are RB 34 for Rojo, RB 33 for Fournette, and RB 52 for Gio. So I'm slightly higher on each of these guys, and I do disagree with the notion that Fournette should be going ahead of Rojo. Again, we saw Rojo before those late season injuries, and it, it was bad. I know he played. He toughed it out in the playoffs after I think he missed that Washington game. Maybe he played the whole way. But I remember there was a specific play in that Saints game where he actually got loose for a second, and uh, you just saw him, okay, he didn't miss the Washington game. Comes back against the Saints, does okay enough, 62 yards on 13 carries, but literally finally gets a hole and instead of running away from the whole defense like we saw him do a couple times throughout the year, at least on that one 98-yard run, uh, Rojo was like already limping out of bounds. So again, it was the calf, the finger, and COVID. Just whole, you know, wrecking ball of things prevented Rojo from really having the sort of end of the season that we would have hoped for based on what it was able to accomplish in weeks, you know, one through 14. Thank you as always for tuning in to the PFF fantasy football podcast. Everybody want to say though, and I'm not just the only one grinding here at this great company. We also have the college PFF college football preview magazine, which is out now and you can get 600 plus pages of analysis, best returning players for all 130 teams, advanced scheme breakdown, strength schedule, win projections, and much more serious people that work Seth Galina and Anthony Triash did on this was absolutely fantastic. And again, that's all available with any PFF college or PFF edge subscription, get it now for less than $8 gotta love that and also people if you like fantasy football if you like playing fantasy with money you need to check out underdog fantasy underdog's got everything including season long and playoff best ball you guys know what best ball is by now so go to underdog fantasy and deposit ten dollars using promo code pff and get a free pff edge in your subscription that's promo code pff draft now at underdog fantasy quick thing to get off my chest was driving over here shortly before this podcast. And man, I hate traffic more than anything. Like my favorite part about not having a consulting job anymore is was just going to work every day and having to sit in traffic. And I just walk in bad attitude after that. Cause I can't stand traffic. Cause I don't understand it. Cause I freaking go visit New York and there's oh, it just makes no rhyme or reason. Why is there traffic on 6 PM on a Sunday? But as much as I hate traffic, I hate when the GPS, when, you know, I see, okay, I want to go here. It's going to be a 40 minute drive instead of a 15 minute drive. So I, I know there's going to be traffic. I'm not happy about that traffic, but Hey, it's 40 minutes. I can live with that. I feel like every time, even when the thing already knows there's traffic, your time goes up like 10 or 15 minutes from what it originally was. Lie to me, tell me it's going to be 60. And then hopefully it's actually 40, but worst case is 60. Like they need to put in like a 20% buffer, whatever they calculate your time is for the traffic. Give me an extra 20 percent on that it's like when you set your clocks for you know an extra five minutes so you're even if you think uh uh you know i guess you, you put them if you put your clocks back five all right i'm confusing myself now basically i get tired of looking at my gps when you know it's just lying to me at some point about the traffic so sorry to all you know potential gps engineers out there if i'm shitting on your life works but you know figure it out or maybe just uh i'll stop complaining and continue to not drive as much as possible again people thank you for tuning in to pff fantasy football podcast new episodes every single day throughout the summer I invite you to check out especially our wednesday edition with andrew erickson where we went through 
all the NFC's potential wild card players in terms of, you know, guys that might have a bigger role than we're thinking about, or maybe the forgotten member and an explosive offense, CC Blake Jarwin with the Cowboys. You can also find all my articles and written work over at PFF.com. We will have a fantasy draft guide out here soon after the July 4th weekend. So hope everybody has a great time. Celebrate. Drink some brews, do whatever you want to do, hang with the fam, and be sure to come back to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast when you feel like chilling again. So I'm Ian Hart. I'm Ian Hart. So until next time, take care, everybody. 